This is recording number 11052 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, May 26, 2013. This is the second message in a series titled, His. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Peace in Your Life. I don't really know how to describe this series that we're in, except that all these messages start with the word His, and we're going to be focusing on the Jesus who is behind everything. Today we're going to be talking about His peace in your life. A few years ago I was getting ready to pre- begin the preparation process for my Christmas season series of messages. Uh, this was before we came to this church, so it was quite a while ago. And I asked Sue, Sue and I were out for a walk, and I asked her, Honey, of all the people that you know, that you work with and so on, what do you think is the number one need that they, that they are conscious of in their lives? And without hesitating for one second, she blurted out, Peace. They want peace. I know what that's like, and I think a lot of you do too. Because we live in a world that's filled with worry, anxiety, fear, panic, Stress. Any of that sounds familiar to you? But God, our God, has a different plan for us. He does not intend for us to live our lives out that way. And in fact, in Isaiah chapter uh, 9 verse 6, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. So he's looking forward to the coming of Messiah, Jesus. He's prophesying about the one who's coming, the Savior who's coming. And he, he describes him with some titles. And one of the titles that Isaiah uses to describe the coming Messiah is Prince of Peace. He was saying, God was speaking through Isaiah, the one who is coming, Jesus the Messiah, is coming to establish a kingdom of priests. He is the Prince of Peace. God does not intend for us to live in worry, anxiety, fear, panic, and stress, but in the kingdom of peace. I asked you to turn to um, Philippians chapter 4 and we're going to begin, I mean, excuse me, John chapter 20. We'll get to Philippians 4, John chapter 20, and we'll start reading at verse 19 in just a moment. We have, most of us, a kind of, even though we long for it, we know that it's missing from our lives. Most of us have a little bit of a distorted understanding of what peace is. It is not a mood Thank God for peaceful moods, right? I mean, when they come along, I'm grateful for it. But they come and go, right? That's the problem. So peace, the kind of peace that secures a person's soul, is not a mood. It's not a state of mind. It's not a feeling. And most importantly, it's not circumstantial because most of us think that peace arrives on the heels of the completion of getting our ducks all in a row. In other words... Or after accomplishing something, like getting, you know, the, the car that you want, or the job that you want, or the, the, the spouse that you want, or whatever you have in your mind as the circumstance that will be the key that unlocks the peaceful life that you long for, that is never going to happen. Peace does not come on the basis of circumstances. It's a futile 
foolish, endless pursuit to try to find peace through the, through the arrival of some condition, some circumstance. But most of us think that way. When I get the next raise that will sort of put me over the hump, I'll be at peace. No, you won't. <laughs> I guarantee it doesn't come that way because peace is a person. His name is Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 19. This is Jesus arriving after his resurrection from the dead to meet his disciples all together for the first time. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. You see, these disciples have come through a very stressful period of time. They are afraid for their lives. And so they're locked up away in this, in this upper room. The one that they've been following for three years and have placed all their hopes on is dead. Everything that they have been imagining about how life was going to turn out is gone. And so these guys are not in real good shape. I imagine that some of those words we used earlier, worry, anxiety, fear, panic, and stress, they were probably experiencing them. And then Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, these are his first words to his disciples after his resurrection, peace be with you. When he said this, and the next verse is not... It's not, uh, it doesn't stand alone. It's connected to this. What we see happening now in the following verses is connected to his first utterance to his disciples. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Because his hands have holes in them where nails were piercing their hands. And his side where a spear had pierced his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to notice, let's skip down to verse 24, because this is the, uh, kind of an, an interesting and unusual story we won't spend a lot of time on, but you've heard about doubting Thomas, right? He was one of the twelve that wasn't there. Uh, when, when Jesus uh, first appeared to them. So now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, Hey, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, um, I don't know. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst. So... They're huddled together with, behind locked doors. But Jesus shows up. He's just there. And then, again, the first words out of his mouth. Peace to you. You get the, import, or the impression that this is important. Peace be with you. Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Tommy, come on. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And Tom, Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. P 
peace is a person and there is no other peace to be found but in Jesus Christ. And the reason that Jesus is our peace is because he has gone before us. He arrives, he says to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Why is that important? Because there's nothing you could ever face in all your life, dear one, as challenging as what he did. He's gone before you. He stared down the worst that life can throw at a person. And he's got the scars to prove it. A pastor that I, I know of, I don't know him personally, but I, I've been exposed to his ministry for many, many, many years. He's a very fruitful guy. But uh, some years ago, he had quadruple bypass surgery. And if you've ever known somebody with, who's gone through bypass surgery, it ain't pretty. I mean, they, oof, I don't even want to think about it. Anyway, he came through it successfully, was doing well, and uh, was resuming his pastoral ministry. And a guy came to him from ca for counseling one day. They came in, they sat in his office, they ch chatted for a minute. And then my, the guy I'm just, uh, talking about, the pastor, says to the guy, he says, So, how can I help you? What are you here for? And the guy says, I'm here for one thing. I want to see your scars. He said, I'm scheduled for bypass sur surgery, and I want to know somebody can survive this. So the guy that I know who's the pastor took off his shirt. The guy who was there for counseling took his finger and traced the scar. Said thank you. And he walked out. If you have ever faced anything difficult or challenging in your life. To know that someone has faced the same things. And accomplished it. Has lived through it. Have survived it. And have done so victoriously is everything isn't it? Doesn't it change everything? Look, we have a Savior who has been there. I don't know what you may be facing right now. I got my own stuff. But there isn't anything you could ever face that our Savior hasn't stared down and not only survived, but been victorious over. He has gone before us. He is our peace uh, because He stands behind us. He says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. You know that Jesus said, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing. I don't say anything I don't hear the Father saying. The Father was his backstop. When we say to one another, I got your back, that, that encourages us, doesn't it? It, 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 it? You feel like, okay, then I could do this. When, when someone is behind you, when, someone had, when you know that you're not alone, it changes everything. If I sent you today down to Southern California to the little town of Winchester where my, one of my younger brothers lives, gave you his address and said, go introduce yourself to my brother. If you showed up at his door, you know, he lives out in the country on some acreage. He's kind of one of those guys that, you know, isn't real interested in, um, in strangers showing up at his door. So if you showed up his, at his door unannounced and unanticipated, he might be just a little bit not so happy. Until you said, oh, your older brother Randy sent me. That'd be different. It would change the complexion of everything. Because I sent him. Or I sent you to him. Everywhere you go, every situation you find yourself in, at work, at home, uh, you know, out on the recreation field, wherever you are, you're not alone. You have been sent in the same way. Jesus said, in the same way. That the Father sent me, I send you. We can have peace because 
He stands behind us. We can also have peace because he indwells us. Jesus breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. There isn't anywhere you could ever be that Jesus isn't in you. In the person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Peace is a person. It's also a protection. Now I'm going to have you to turn to that Philippians passage. Philippians chapter 4. Peace is a protection. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. And I hate that phrase. Because I am just a ball of anxiety. And to read that, that, you know, be anxious for no thing is a little challenging to me. I mean, I'm glad it's in the Bible, I guess, but man, every time I read it, I think, really, nothing, no thing? I don't get to be anxious about anything? Yep. Be anxious for no thing. But in everything, not for everything, but in everything, it's a big difference and a big distinction. Don't be thankful for stuff that, that hell is chucking your way. But in it, be thankful in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace is a person, and peace is a protection for your heart and mind. When it says that it will guard your heart, it's, it's the word garrison or fortress. It's like God's peace surrounds you with a fortress. So that all the stuff that wants to steal your peace can't break through. Peace is um, secured through prayer. Secured by prayer. It says here, with prayer and with thanksgiving. Now, I just returned, I, I spent Monday through Thursday uh, with my son at our cabin down in Southern California. We had to... Uh, build some decks and some uh, some staircases. It was a very challenging job for uh, you know amateurs like us. You know, I have to build over these big boulders and you know I don't know. It was a mess, and we had a very short period of time to do it. Now I'm I'm all, I'm with my son. I don't get to be just him and I very often, and it should have been, and in many ways was a grand experience. But the edge of it was taken off by a sizable chunk of anxiety that I lived with for those four days because I felt like that, that we had to get this stuff done in this amount of time. And if we didn't, we were kind of in our... Uh, anyway, we had to get it done. So I had lived with that sense of, of a timetable over me. And uh, I realized on my way home when I was thinking about how, how I just spent four days because also, by the way, when you're away from home, stuff piles up here too, right? I got, I got a congregation to, to take care of that I'm, I'm not here to serve. And then Sue and I get on a plane today for Florida for another week because we're going to, we have to go to our uh, national conference. I knew I was going to be gone again. And so all of that's in my mind. Does that sound familiar to how your life gets lived? Okay. And then I realized on my way home, driving home, it's an eight-hour drive, driving home from, from Big Bear, I had spent those four days without once having my daily prayer time. Randy. (laughs) 
We just had our 39th wedding anniversary yesterday. It's on, it's on shaky ground right now. <laughs> anyway, we ignore God's word at our own peril. Okay? He says we secure that peace that is in, in, present in the person of Jesus by spending time in his presence. Mm -hmm. Kind of simple. And when you ignore it, you pay the price. So it's secured by prayer. And it is a peace that is beyond comprehension. It says it surpasses understanding. See, if I'm a person uh, who has, you know, just, I'm just one of those peaceful souls. And you can draw a dotted line from that sense of peace to the source of it. That person is peaceful because they have a million dollars in the bank. That person is peaceful because they have a secure job. That person is peaceful because they, whatever. If you can draw a line to the source of it, the circumstances, you can understand it. But this is, it's a peace, this peace that secures a person's life surpasses understanding. It's a peace that shows up when everything's going to heck in a handbasket. It's a peace that secures you when nothing is working right. It, that's what we're talking about here. That kind of peace that protects me in the midst of all of that junk. Finally, so peace is a person, a protection, and peace is also a practice. And I'm gr grateful for the instruction that's going to come in the next verses that we read because it is very practical. It's about how I can live my life in a way that maintains this posture of peace, this life of peace that God meant for me to experience. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are holy, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. What is it that you're feeding your soul? You know, when the service got started, Chris was up here in a joking way talking about the turbulence that they experienced on the way home from Seoul last week and about how, you know, because he has seen the, the television series Lost, you have some of these images that come to your mind, right? Think about this. What if the only thing, only imagery that would come to mind when you were thinking about flight were the scriptures where, G, where God says, I carried you on eagle's wings. What if that was the only thing you knew? What if that, that was the only concept that would come to your mind when you were thinking about flying? There would be no fear, would there? So there's a lot of stuff that we deal with in terms of fear and anxiety that's simply the result of the poor diet we feed our souls. What are we taking in in terms of entertainment? What are we taking in? And, you know, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you feeding your soul? We have here a pretty good list of how to filter out a lot of the stuff that's adding a stress and anxiety to our lives. Think on these things, he says. And then, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So there's some things that we can think about and then there's some things that we can do. 
He says, the things you have learned. That means things you've experienced. All of us have had some measure of experience with God. We've figured out that, oh, that's how God works because we have walked with Him through certain things in our lives. And those experiences help us to understand how God would have us to live. Yes? There are some things we have received. Those, that's revelation. That's like when you're sitting reading your Bible or listening to some, some, uh, somebody speak like me and the Lord drops something in your heart and you all of a sudden understand something about Him that you hadn't understood before. That's, that's what you have received. It says the things that you've heard. So the things that have been taught to you. The things that you've saw. That, that means how you have, have observed God living out in, the, in another person's life that you respect. Paul said, imitate me. Look at my life and do what I do. It's so interesting how we make this book and the Christian life so often a philosophy to be pondered and judged rather than lived. This is, this is a to-do book. <laughs> this is not a philosophy class. This is a to-do book. A to-do list. Paul says, look, it's pretty simple. You want to enjoy the peace that God wants to bring to your life. Do the things that you've Learned, received, heard, and saw. How many of you can think of one thing right now? You know. You know. God has told you to do. Besides Rachel. <laughs> you should have seen that hand, man. It was <laughs> boom. <laughs> Let's do it then. Why? Because our peace is at stake.